Welcome back to another Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. My name is Craig and I'm with my benignant hosts, co-hosts, Mario Sikora and Maria Jose Munita. Today, you're talking about... Uh, 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 stop, stop, stop. Well, but, but before we go on, what, what was the word of the day, Creek? I, I didn't even ben, understand it. Ben, benignant? Ben, benignant? I, I have yes. no idea what that word means. Why don't you like Benign? Or, or what? Kindly and benevolent. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Google that and see if it's a real word. But uh, all right, good. <laughs> okay. Right. So uh, we're talking about uh, the core quality at point eight um, today: vitality, as well as the connecting points to eight. So why don't we jump in with uh, Maria Jose, just so we get an objective view of eight. <laughs> the core quality at eight. Why don't you start with uh, describing the core quality at eight? So the core quality at point eight is vitality. It's interesting because it's, um, I think that I had an understanding of it before uh, working with these um, concepts. For describing it, it's just that you'd think that eight have a lot of that naturally, so it's almost counterintuitive that that's what gets stunted, but okay, I will not get ahead of it. Vitality is the feeling of aliveness and flowing energy. So it's just feeling, I think, alive with I'm not feeling that way today, so it's hard to describe. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you could use a little injection of vitality today. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could. Same, same. Uh, yeah. But it's something that you don't need to produce or force, but it's there naturally. And I think that what Mari usually does, and I do too when I teach, um, it's going back and this works for all the works for all the core qualities i think when you go back to the kids the baby and how they just jump around or want to do things and move things and go from one place to another they have this vitality that they don't need to force in fact what we do is try to kind of stop and make it uh, go away at least for a while so that we can rest that vitality is what we're talking about so it's not excitement per se. I don't think it is. To me, it's more like strength than excitement. It's like a force that it just comes up more than the excitement that it's more bubbly, I think. Well, I, I, th I think excitement is something you experience based on your interaction with the world, right? It's something that's dependent on something outside. I get excited because I got a new toy, right? Uh, whereas vitality is something that comes from the inside. Now, there, there's a lot of a lot of misunderstanding about this, right? So it's, it, it is the feeling of being alive, of having energy. Um, but there's nothing mystical or magical about it, right? You know, people will talk about, you know, the life force or this idea of Elan Vital, which is, you know, this, ex, you, know, you know, this independent force that animates people. And that's not what we're suggesting. It's just the ability to express our energy, our will, our, um, our influence on the world in an intentional way. 
Okay. When the child is born, they're filled with immature vitality. And so the immature vitality is it's impulsive. It's, you know, it's rash. It's self-centered. You know, I, I want that toy. Give it to me. Right. So they, they fight over it. You know, they want to eat. So they get, uh, you know, upset. You, you know, cry and kick and scream and all of these things, okay? And so, uh, like Maria Jose was happening, the parent and, you know, the two of, you know, Maria Jose and I can both relate to this very well, being parents, is that you just want your kids to stop kicking, you know, stop moving, stop grabbing uh, after a while. So the kid starts to infer these messages from the parent that says, I don't love you as much when you're like this. Okay. So they start to adapt themselves. They start to change. They start to cut off this desire, this impulse, this, this uh, you know, uh, um, need to experience the world. This I, is what, I think I it's ahead, important Mary. to, to uh, clarify that it's not that parents say, I don't love you as much, but it's yeah, the right, message right. that the kid gets. So daddy is not as happy when I'm like this. So that probably means that they don't love me as much when I'm this way. So it's um, the message. It's not what yeah. parents actually say. Well, most, most parents. parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are some out there who, you know, of course, uh, always. But yeah. And, and, and so based on what Maria Jose is saying, you know, we shouldn't feel guilty for, you know, um, uh, making our children feel this way or leading, you know, or doing things that make our children feel this way. We should try not to, of course, we should try to manage that in a, um, in a healthy way. But, um, you know, it's it's going to happen. So it becomes stunted, and not and we're not only talking about eights here, right? We're talking about every one of us. Every one of us can relate to this. Every one of us feels this stunting in some way. It's just a more fundamental issue for the eight, and their personality sort of constellates around, you know, or as part of this this dynamic. From a, a psychological perspective, this is what Winnicott was talking about when he talked about the you know the true self, the authentic self, and the false self, okay? The, you know, the child has all these impulses, all these desires, and um, and it wants to go after them. And then it gets these messages from the parent that, you know, signal a loss of love. And so they adjust and they become this thing that feels uh, false. The important thing to remember is we're not trying to go back to our original feeling of vitality, just like we're not trying to go back to that authentic self that Winnicott was talking about, because that authentic self, that immature vitality is really kind of a mess, right? It's, it's selfish. It's, um, it's uh, uncaring about others. It's impulsive. It's like a fire hose with water shooting through it that nobody's holding on to. Okay. Uh, so it's not about something we're returning to. It's about something we're trying to nurture and mature in ourselves so we can get to the mature version of it, which is really important. One quick question, just, just so people can have an idea of how would you suggest someone experience vitality now in their adult body? So you mean, what does the mature version look like or feel like? Yeah. Like what, what is, how, how can we connect that to everyone's experience? Yeah. I think that so the description we have, it's a managed 
life force. And I think that's important because the immature one is impulsive self-expression. So I feel alive. I'll do whatever I feel like doing. And that's kind of like all over the place. But this is a managed life force that I decide what to point at. I decide how it expresses. I decide, but it's there. It's still this life force, but it's deliberate. It's not, it doesn't have control over me. I control it, but it's there. And I channel it the, the way I decide to do it. So it's like a desire, a deep desire for like to experience something, to gain something? It's not the desire. It's the experience of it itself, right? Yeah. So uh, l l let me use an analogy. So there, there used to be this, uh, you know, back in the 90s when um, there was a lot of talk about, you know, energy and, you know, in organizations and people would do these demonstrations, you know, walking on coals and, you know, that sort of thing. From the martial art of Aikido, there's what's called the uh, the unbendable arm trick right it, because it, it is kind of a trick so the idea is you tell somebody okay stick out your arm you know shoulder um, shoulder height straight in front of you and you know uh, tense your muscles okay and I'm going to try and bend your arm right I'm going to put your fist on my shoulder I'm going to use my hands put them in the crook of your elbow and the crook of your elbow and I'm going to push down and with you using all your muscles I will be able to bend your arm Okay, and so they go and they do it. No matter how strong the guy is, usually the person is, usually you can bend their arm. Now they say, okay, relax. Imagine energy flowing from your center out the tips of your fingers. You know, don't tense your muscles, you know, et cetera. And it's much harder to bend the person's arm. Okay, they're not clenching their muscles. They're just kind of relaxing and flowing. Now, people used to say, oh, this indicates that there's this chi or ki or this magical life force the reality is it's a it's a it's a um, it's a physical phenomenon when you're tensing your muscles you're tensing your bicep as well as your tricep and that helps to bend your arm so it's easier to bend the arm when you're forcing to try and keep your arm straight however if you are thinking about the flowing energy, you only tense the triceps, not the biceps, and that makes it physically harder to bend the arm. Okay. Now, how you feel when you're doing this exercise? Are you following, is, Craig? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting there. Can, right. can you, okay, next time right. somebody tries to bend your arm, what would you do? <laughs> Punch him in the face. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you use Sorry, your other Mario. arm, stick your thumb in their eyeball, and you're good. You know, so. yeah, exactly. All right. All right. So, okay, bear, bear with me, people. You, you, can, you can Google this, and you can see what I'm talking about, right? So, so, but he, he, here's the point. When you are in that relaxed state, okay, your, your muscles are aligned, okay? They're all doing what they're supposed to be doing. You're feeling your body. You're feeling what feels like a flow, okay? You're feeling like your boundaries between your skin and the rest of the world are dissolving a little bit. Okay, so it's about physical alignment. It's about a mindset. Um, it's about fluidity. It's about 
you know, more graceful movement and aligned movement. So you have to be, and I hate using the term in your body, right? Because, you know, where else are you going to be, right? But you have to be <laughs> conscious of your body. You have to be intentional. You have to be aligned with what's happening with your body and attentive to it. Okay. So these are all qualities of vitality. You're very much quote unquote in your body. Your movements are directed. Your intentions are directed. Okay. Uh, your activities are directed. You're very in touch with your senses. Okay. You smell what's there. You hear the things in your environment. You see what's there and so forth. So a big part of this is about being in, you know, attentive awareness of your body and your senses and using that to move forward in some way and achieve the things that you need to achieve in life. So the mature version is the efficiency of that movement of sorts. The efficiency of it, the attention to of it, you know, being aware of it, the intentionality of it. It's directed rather than impulsive, right? Like, unlike the impulsive child who just reacts to, you know, to, to stimulus, it's no, I, I know where I'm going with this. Okay. So, mm -hmm. uh, so it, 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 it's a big part of it is about being aware of your physicality. And Maria Jose talked about strength earlier, and there is a strength to this. And also, you know, taking care of your body is a big part of this, right? Having physical endurance and physical strength and so forth. You know, you don't have to be, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or something, but, you know, having some capacity for physicality is really important for this as well. Okay. I think, I think this makes sense. The, the, <laughs> Thank you. the, the thing that I, <laughs> it was the I'm unbendable arm to... trick, right. That, that helped, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> uh, so I used to teach, um, guitar. I still do. I still teach a couple students, but whenever they would try to play fast, they would tighten up their, their fingers would flail their, their picking hand would just be bouncing all over the place. So I had to have a talk with him about economy of motion and that you want, you want the, the smallest, like what is the least amount of movement and pressure that you can have in your body yeah. Yeah. um and one of my guitar teachers told me that whenever i'm coming up to like a really fast line i need to either <laughs> tense my feet like grip mm. the grip the ground or or clench my buttocks mm. and that's in some ways supposed to help redirect the tension that normally happens yeah. so i think that's an example of what you're saying of like like controlling the fire hose basically yes yes okay Yes, it, it really is. And, and this is the distinction between the immature vitality and the mature vitality is whereas the, you know, the immature vitality is the fire hose at full blast with no one holding on to it. The mature vitality is the fire hose at, you know, full blast with somebody directing it towards the base of the fire, okay, or wherever it needs to go. So it's, it's, and there's also this element of, uh, fluidity, right? There's certainly strength, uh, but there's also fluidity. And if we look at any of the people who are most graceful at anything, right, whether it be guitar players or athletes or, you know, uh, you know, dancers or whatever, they have strong, flexible, fluid bodies. 
I immediately think of Mario. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Graceful. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Dancer. Yeah, that's, you know. that's right. Ballet. ballet <laughs> Barishnikov for sure. Yeah. Yes. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the stunting of vitality. Why is that? Why is it important to know about? The stunting. Yeah. When we start to get these messages that our vitality is threatening to those in our holding environment in some way, we um, um, we start to we start to shut it down. We start to repress it in a way. Uh, or when it starts to arise nat- naturally, we push it back down. Okay. We demonize it in some way. And then because we're not feeling this very important, very natural quality, we start to feel dead inside. And this is one of the things that people really don't understand about eights, right? They don't see an eights, is that even though they seem robust and energetic and, you know, active, which they are, they also feel a deadness inside, Right. It's almost like, uh, you know, their their inner landscape is like a shark's eyes, you know, just black and dark and, you know, showing no feeling. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's interesting because when I talk about this, most eights get it right? Most states can really relate to it. And, you know, others don't, but some, most do. Go ahead, Maria. Yeah. And it's a very kind of sensitive place. If you, I mean, the listeners will not see Mario, but the tone changed, you know, and, and these deadness is almost painful. And the, the same thing happens for all the core qualities, the feeling of the stunting of the core quality at your point, it's somehow painful. We all feel this deadness to some extent. Okay, uh, we're usually not aware of it because we tend we try to cover it up with something. And what the eight does more than the other eight types is they cover it up with excess. Okay, so they're very excessive people. They, they're energetic. They're loud. They're forceful. They, you know, they drink more than others. They smoke more than others. They eat more than others, etc. Okay, so they do all these things in order to, you know, kind of in a false attempt to recapture that vitality. But it's not the same thing. And it's always dissatisfying, which is why there always has to be more, which is, you know, behind the lust of the the eight, right? There's, I always need this thing. I always need this. I always, I can't stop. I can't, you know, there's that thing there and I have to keep moving toward it. And it's not always like unhealthy habits. It can also be healthy habits of like, you're going to the gym three hours a day or something like that and not taking a day off. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the healthier habits will, you know, kind of help to mature the, the vitality because they are healthier. But a, again, if it's not intentional and not deliberate and not planned, then it's going to happen much slower. Okay. So one of the things that the eight is dealing with and the eight inside all of us is dealing with is trying to deal with that feeling of inner deadness that we all have and, you know, replace that with a mature version of vitality. Uh, Real quick, Mario, you said (laughs) 
you said the eight inside of all of us, but you've also said that the, the phrase a nine types inside of all of us is not a thing. Please expound. <laughs> yeah. Please correct yourself. Please correct. No, no, no. Let, let, let me enlighten you, uh, Creek. Um, so, okay. <laughs> so, first of all, when people say we have all nine types inside of us, I don't really know what that means. Okay. Because definitely, definitionally, it doesn't really make sense to me. Okay. Because we're assuming that the types are a thing rather than just a type being a name we call something. All right. The type of person who, you know, you know, would steal money from you or whatever. From our approach, the we look at the Enneagram as a model of nine strategies okay, to start with. And our view is that one of those strategies is more part of us or we rely on it more than we do the other eight. The reason we call you Creek of Four is because you rely on the strategy of striving to feel unique more than you do the other eight. Okay. Now, this does not mean that you only have that strategy. You will use others. Do you use all nine? I don't know. Right? Uh, maybe. Okay. So, from our perspective, when it comes to working with the strategies, we don't see a huge amount of value in trying to work on all nine strategies. Okay. So for me, for example, there's no real payoff to working on my issues around striving to feel unique. Okay. So, you know. You should try it sometime. Uh, it does, and, you know, you know, I think that he would, probably, he would probably feel more unique if he were the most powerful, unique person, you know, it would end up having something to do with powerful. Yes. Mm. Because that's yeah. what always happens. We, when we talk about and define the other strategies, for us, it means something around our preferred strategy anyway. Yes. Most times. Yeah, even when we look at the connecting points, right? Why yeah. do, you know, why does, do I as an eight want to strive to feel more connected? Because it'll make me more powerful. Okay. Why do I want to work on my issues around detachment? Because it'll make me more powerful. Okay. I have no interest in being more five-like, okay, as a type. So for us, the strategies are a map of nine different kinds of people. Now, when we move into the core qualities, which is our kind of our second Enneagram, now we're talking about nine facets of each one of us. Okay. So we all experience all nine of the core qualities. Differentially, okay, our issues are most clearly related to our Enneagram point and the two connecting points. But we will benefit and grow from working on all nine of the core qualities. Every one of us will. And every one of us can relate to the stunting of all nine of the core qualities. Okay. Uh I'll give you a pass this time. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good enough. Good enough explanation. Um, right. We have what it is. We have how it got kicked out of us um, on some level. Stunted. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And we have this aspiration of what a mature, um, controlled fire hose looks like. Before we go into that, I think that it is important to make the distinction that 
we don't, I mean, it is implied in what we already said, but we don't think that if we get rid, get rid of something, the uh, vitality of the core qualities will be there fully formed as we need them. So the implication of these immature and mature forms is that it needs work and that getting rid of the ego will not do the trick of getting us there, which is what a lot of people think the work is. Yeah, I think I think there's there's that. There's there's also stuff out there where it's it's talking about how it's still about getting back to vitality. It was like, no, you can't get rid rid of your ego, but we need to get back to vitality through these sort of practices, through reconnecting with your child self. And as an analogy, I think it helps to process some things, but I think it's again, it's it's trying to get back to a sense of a, a non-contradictory oneness that I personally don't think exists. It's it's like like Mario always says. It's like nothing nothing on earth develops uh, from its wholeness. It's always about the the growth and potential. So, what does that growth look like? Yeah. So uh, before we talk about the growth, I just want to make a couple of points. Right. So. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to transition. Before we do that. No. So, so, so first of all, when I say that about things not being fully formed, I'm quoting Lucretius. Okay. So I can't fully take credit for that, but what you were saying and you, it wasn't your thoughts. It was representing thoughts of others. It's just horseshit on so many levels. And it's, it, it's, it's the problem. And it's why people don't make progress in doing the work because they think that there's this fantasy thing that they can go back to. And you can't go back in time. You can't go back, you know, to some other place inside of yourself. You can only go to where you are right now and figure out how to move forward. Right. So, you know, people who start talking about those things are just wasting their time. And we have to say, OK, at where am I on the development now? And then how do I move forward? OK. And so we always use the analogy of the uh, oak tree and the um, the acorn and the oak tree when we talk about the core qualities. And you can't the tree, the oak tree can't go back to the acorn. All it can do is grow from where it is now. And that's where we are. And so we have to make sure that we're providing ourselves with enough water, enough, you know, uh, rich soil, enough sunlight, etc. The practices for nurturing the core qualities, there are multiple steps to this. Number one, there's an accelerator at each point. The accelerator is a practice that helps accelerate the maturation of the core quality. Um, in the case of the point eight, it's self-discipline. It's learning to manage ourselves, right? Maria Jose always laughs. Why, why are you laughing, Maria Jose, when we Because of the self. That? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, say what you mean there. Yeah. Using self-discipline and not just discipline. So yeah. tell the story. So, I think so it's important. Yeah, so, yeah. so I was teaching this uh, once. It was in... Milan could be anywhere. I, I, I just it could have been anywhere, but it was in Milan, and that way people say, "Oh wow, he's been all over to these interesting places to teach these things." And See, it's driving so, to feel unique. That, that, you know, <laughs> there you go. yeah, but it makes me seem more powerful. So, yeah, so. Um, so I'm talking about this accelerator, and I, and I was you know talking about discipline, 
and there's a woman in the audience and she's just, I can just see her fuming, right? And so she raises her hand and she says, no one will discipline me, right? You, you know, she, she was an eight and she was saying, you know, no one will discipline me. And I said, no, 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 no. We're not talking about being disciplined by someone else. We're talking about self-discipline, which is the quality that we have to master. So it's incrementally developing more and more self-discipline. And this is why whenever we are giving action plans to our clients, and I'm sure we've talked about this in the past, we always talk about baby steps, right? So, you know, if it's exercise and you're going to go out and you're going to walk for a half hour every day, well, next week do 31 minutes and the week after that do 32 minutes, et cetera, right? And this is how we develop will and this is how we develop self-discipline. We usually think of self-discipline as denial, of something, right? Don't eat that cake. Don't, you know, drink that 14th beer or whatever it is. Um, but we, uh, but again, we're, we're talking about AIDS here, right? So, um, yeah, you know, but no, it's, it's, it's about giving ourselves boundaries and practices and, you know, uh, things that cause us to stay on course. Will is the capacity to continue to endure, to continue to push ourselves, to continue to exert ourselves in the face of the struggle of these things. Okay? So it's about cultivating self-discipline. It's also about working with the strategy. Right. Uh, going through the awareness to action process and recognizing how our distorted narratives around power undermine our ability to grow and mature. Yeah, when when I think that I will feel more powerful if I just do whatever I want, not what it's good for me or what it's useful or whatever. I, it's and that is linked to uh, self discipline, but the uh, distorted concept or definition of power of power might prevent us from developing self discipline as well. So it's all connected. I'm thinking of a friend here who at the moment has a lot of different big goals that need to be accomplished. It's it's trying to take care of their health, trying to finish up school, I'm trying to make money, I'm trying to uh, have some level of enjoyment in life and keep up with relationships and whatnot. And they're expressing to me basically how powerless they feel because all of those are equally important and all of those are differently like important to different people that they're trying to make happy on some level when you when you have so many really important things that need to get done what's what would be a process there to figure out the order of importance or because all of those things are important and need to be done what's what would be your advice there okay, okay look there's always an efficiency part of it. There's always a project management element of this. Okay. So you want to make sure that your processes and, you know, time management skills and your prioritization skills are in place and that you're using those. But once you have those things in place, you just have to accept the fact that you can't do everything. Right. And you can fool yourself and say, yeah, these are all important and they're all equally important, etc. You're going to fail, okay, eventually, if you can't say, okay, here are the things that are more important, 
Right. And, you know, and that's part of, you know, what maturation and, and life are all about is deciding of the million important things in life. What are those two or three I can do right now? Okay. And then move on to the others. Because if, if we can't do that, then we end up failing in everything. And what happens with the eight is, and, and again, with everybody, but something that eights recognize when they try to take on too much, they just get to a point where they shut down. They shut down emotionally, right? First, okay, they kind of, you know, detach and go into an emotionless, uh, cold sort of place. And then they just kind of shut down physically, right? Um, now, they tend to recover more quickly than most others will. But, you know, you can only do one thing at a time. And so you have to decide which of those things you're going to do. So, and this is where will comes in. Right? And self-discipline is, okay, I have to decide. Uh, we can set up rules for that, right? In the military, when they're, they're training you to shoot, they always tell you to shoot the closest guy first, right? So, you, you know, and um, <laughs> I'm just, you know. <laughs> Why? Because People don't understand threat, you know? that no, mates, I, I mates have a war mindset. Yes. And... And that's just true. And it's useful. I always tell my clients, it's like, this is a problem sometimes, but when you're at war, you really want an A. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So, just like if you wanted, I don't know, something unimportant, you'd want a four around, right? So... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Only joking, my four friends. Oh, Don't wow. we're only joking. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. No. So, but yeah, it is this, right? And, and yeah, I tend to use a lot of um, analogies that are re related to conflict in some way because, you know, again, we are who we are and we tend to think in the ways we do. And as Maria Jose said, thank goodness somebody's doing that. Right. Just like, thank goodness, somebody's thinking about how to bring, you know, quality and beauty into the world. And just like somebody's trying to think about how to do things the right way. That's what being part of a social species is all about. Well, let's use let's use my friend as an example for how you would use the connecting points, kind of switching a mindset or being able to prioritize better or taking the next small step. Like what's what's a habit? What's those baby steps that they can implement? It's, it's hard to talk about a abstract sort of example, right, without a lot of details and without being able to dig into it and so forth. But what we have found, just like with the strategies, looking at the connecting points is helpful and useful. And when we're working with people, we ask them to, you know, not just think about their own core quality or their, their core quality at their Enneagram point, to think about all nine of them, but think next after we think about the, our point, about the two connecting points. So in the case of the eight, it's compassion at point two, and it's intuition at point five. Now, again, now we're, we're rarely going to confuse, uh, you know, accuse eights of being overly compassionate. Okay. And it's easy to see how compassion is stunted in eights, but we might say, oh, wow, their intuition is really high, right? They're very intuitive people. And a lot of eights talk about, oh, I'm a gut type. I go by my gut, blah, blah, blah. But usually what they're talking about is some immature version of 
intuition, which is uninformed or naive intuition, right? Oh, this plane looks easy to fly. I could do this, right? Well, no. Uh, the mature intuition is something that is based in lots and lots and lots of practice, okay? And the accelerator at point five is conscious practice deliberately. It's not just strumming on the guitar, but it's being aware of what you're doing and why when you're practicing. Uh, same thing with throwing a baseball or any other activity that you're practicing. You can do it consciously and intentionally. Now, when it comes to nurturing and developing compassion, we have to look at um, the core, the, I'm sorry, the accelerator of cognitive empathy. Now, again, we think, boy, who's more em empathetic or more compassionate than twos? The reality is the compassion is stunted in twos, and they fill this up with a need to connect, a need to help, a need to do, a need to project, a need to assume what the other needs. Their empathy is very often untested, un, uh, unconfirmed. So they intuit an emp empath, you know, some empathic intuition from another individual. Oh, you look really cold today. Let me give you a blanket. Without checking and confirming the cognitive piece of cognitive empathy to see if that's what the other person is really feeling and then adapt to them accordingly. So the eight always needs to be working on nurturing not just vitality, but compassion and intuition through practicing the accelerators of self-discipline, conscious practice, and cognitive empathy. Now, with your friend, when it comes to decision-making and how I grow and how I decide what's important to me, a big piece of this is, number one, okay, they've got to do all the self-discipline things that we're talking about, right? Make sure that my, my skills are in line so I'm doing as much as I can with the resources I have. Um, that's the self-discipline piece of it. When it comes to prioritizing, this is where empathy comes into play or a cognitive empathy. It's about really being in touch with my emotions and truly being in touch with the needs of other people. Because very often we can't prioritize because we assume that this thing is really, really important to all these people, or we assume that this other thing is not. So we have to check. We have to check, is this really as big a priority? for somebody? Is this really as big a need? If it's somebody else is depending on me for this, are they really depending? So I have to check. This is where the cognitive empathy comes in. Okay. And then the conscious practice piece is really just, again, being intentional about our self-development so that we can move to a point where we stop having to think about things. Okay. Just like an athlete doesn't think about shooting the baseball. I'm sorry, shooting the baseball. I'm, I'm bringing in my <laughs> combat analogy here, right? I, you know, oh shoot gosh. the closest baseball. Um, no. <laughs> it's called ski shooting. Yeah, there you go. No, the, the basketball player doesn't think about shooting a basketball, right? They just do it. Okay, A baseball player doesn't think about throwing a ball or hitting a ball. They just do it. Why? Because they've thought about it a thousand times and they've practiced it a thousand times and they got to the point where they don't have to think about it anymore. And therefore, they become more effective, more fluid, faster in what they do. Yeah. And not feeling competent or knowledgeable enough might be an obstacle for addressing some of the tasks that you have in front of you. And again, trying to feel powerful and 
looking at things that you might not be that good at might be uncomfortable. So maybe I, uh, so conscious practice might help there and address that. So when we're talking about our kind of point and the two connecting points, they're always related and you work on one and it helps the other. It's And when you start thinking about the definition or the work on one point, you see how it leverages the other one or it feels like a very a similar thing most of the times. That's a really important point there, that, um, which is why we don't have to focus, you know, try to focus on developing all nine of the core qualities at the same time. Okay? And I'm guessing with your friend, if he focuses on a few really critical, important things, it'll help with some of the other things as well. When you say, when you say like to think about the core qualities at eight, two and five, what, what does thinking about it look like? So with all these things, there's an element of cognitive understanding of this, right? We have to define them, okay? We have to say, you know, just like we did with vitality, we have to say what we mean by it. So this helps us to then recognize what it feels like, okay? We, we, we can't look for a feeling if we haven't identified what that feeling should be feel like or you know put a name on it right how do you how do you identify love if you don't have a definition of what love is okay we might feel something but we don't know that it's love so there's there's an element of cognitive understanding of it but then that leads to an experiential well or just an experience of it right i was going to say an experiential understanding but it's just i feel it and then i recognize that i'm feeling that thing and once we learn to feel it we have to learn not to stifle it because that's what we learn to do as a child is to stifle it when it comes up. We have to learn to, no, 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 don't, don't step on it, right? Let it rise up, let yourself feel it and let it run naturally. Is it like reminding your, or figuring out how to, how to feel vitality again, how to feel compassion again, how to feel... I don't well. think you can force the feeling of the core quality. It is an experience that, as we have said, we have to nurture and you nurture it through the, I mean, practicing the core, the accelerators. Now, we do need to think about it in terms of understanding what we're talking about, feeling the need to develop it. It's almost like I don't want to be corny here, but it's like a heart's desire to feel that way. You know, it's like, I would yeah. really like to feel that way. You know, it wouldn't be nice if I felt that way. But so understand what we're talking about, but we cannot force it. So it's through these practices that we can primarily uh, nurture them and help them grow, mature. And one more time, the, the accelerators for those three points? Are... So for point eight, uh, to develop vitality is self-discipline. Point two, to develop um, compassion is empathy, cognitive empathy. And at point five, to develop intuition is conscious practice. I, I want to add to what Maria Jose said a moment ago, that these are these are aspects of us much like 
joy, sadness, whatever the other emotions are, anger, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need to get your emotional wheel yeah, out. That's your right. color wheel. That's right. They arise when appropriate. Okay, when we're working on ourselves, when we're not stunting them. Look, look, so much of what is happening with us is happening in our brains below the level of our awareness. Okay, and so there are these non-conscious parts of our brains pulling the levers and spinning the wheels and making things happen. So when you need vitality, you will feel it. And the more you work on developing mature vitality, the more naturally you will feel it when you do and the faster it will come along when you need it and so forth, right? It's not like you have to walk around all day feeling vital and feeling compassion and feeling, you know, objectivity and feeling intuition all at the same time, all fully developed. No, they, they, they emerge when needed if you're doing your work. And what is your work? Well, these things we talked about, right, of, you know, working on, with the awareness to action process, developing self-development, et cetera. And what's the awareness to action process? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so AIDS and will, but AIDS tried to feel this vitality and striving to feel powerful. It's kind of like another way, a replacement or some, some way of producing this vitality by kind of exerting control or power or uh, my will, uh, but it never satisfies the need to feel this vitality. So it is important to understand that kind of phenomenon. doesn't mean that we use that strategy because uh, the stunting of that core quality, we don't know, but they coexist. And there's a dynamic between these two things. There are some views that the ego is a replacement for the stunting of the essential aspects or our essence or something like that. And that's not, that's not how we think of it. We think of them as co-emergent phenomena, independent of each other. But like Maria Jose says, the strategy can become a replacement for the core quality of vitality. When we talked about the eight being excessive and uh, impulsive and all these things, that's a good example of it, right? I, I'm not feeling the real thing, so I'm trying to replace it. And it's never enough. It's never enough, which is why we're dissatisfied. So the, the important thing for an eight to recognize, I think, as a starting point, is the distinction between immature vitality and mature vitality that it was stunted in us, that it causes this feeling of deadness inside that I think more eights need to get in touch with, right? And see it as having a reason or it, 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 it ended up there because of some events, right? It's not just part of our nature necessarily, and it's not something unchanging. It's something we can help go away if we work on the core qualities more. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, tune in next week. We will be hopping over to the two and talking about the core quality and accelerators associated with the two. We'll talk to you next week.
Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast.